0: Log TALK RADIO
1: There is no earthy way of mowing <laughs> Good man is of time. Which direction we are going And
2: that wrecked Camino It would have been DWI
1: A tipping point.
2: Good evening. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, and all the ships at sea. It is time once again for the tipping point. Happy Halloween's Eve, Larry Goodman. And I, of course, Stephen Platinum. How are you doing tonight, Larry? I'm doing fairly well. How about yourself? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. So I'm taking a little break from making Halloween costumes for my kids. And uh, we've got, you know, every year we do a, we try to do something special pumpkin wise. So last year we got a big, huge green pumpkin. So we did the green goblin with a bunch of pumpkin bombs and that was pretty awesome. And uh, this year like white pumpkins are the rage. Uh, maybe I don't know if it's Donald Trump's in office, what's going on. So we got this big kind of thin uh, white pumpkin. And so we're going to do the melting face guy from um, Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> so we've got the hat and everything ready to go and candle wax ready to drip all over it and all this kind of stuff. So oh, it should man, be great Fun for the whole family, I'll make sure right? I'll, yeah yeah I'll make sure i'll uh take a picture of that bad boy so uh yeah. so larry Larry, what's been going on with you
0: oh uh hit two shows this past weekend uh didn't have anybody yeah. regurgitating in my car today, so that was good you know I had a you know <laughs> a settled stomach today that was that was that was very nice so uh all things considered, doing doing uh, fairly well. Yeah, yeah, and looking forward to tonight because we've got a couple of good guests coming on. Uh, but looking forward to talking to Calvin Tankman, the indestructible mm-hmm. Calvin Tankman, uh, about his exploits. Um, uh, he, he certainly made an impression on AWE and me uh, at the last few AWE shows, so we'll be talking to him. And then Scott Hensley is going to be coming on later in the hour to... Um, Discussed Scenic City Trios Tournament, perhaps his Recent trip to the NWA Anniversary Show in Nashville And whatever else he might have on his mind
2: Nice uh, well, So I guess he's our are we... What did
0: you ask you asked for in the last show? You wanted a, a a blowhard on the show? I don't know if that was the term you used But uh, I guess we, I, 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 I guess think I it might have been yeah. yeah Yeah. I, so we I, got I fell it. short I mean... in
2: that <laughs> Well, I mean, Scott Hensley is certainly an opinionated guy. If you've ever well, seen like his know-it-all and things like that, he's definitely got opinions. And hopefully he's definitely taken heroin or some form of caffeine. So he'll, <laughs> he'll be animated and ready to go tonight. That would be great. So Larry, this is something we were planning on talking about last time, and we didn't get a chance to, but now it seems more relevant than ever. WWE, Saudi Arabia crown jewel show. So, yeah. you, you want to give a little background to the people who don't know what's going on.
0: Well, I can't imagine anybody listening to this show doesn't that's you know listen to our show wouldn't wouldn't know. But uh, in essence, the WWE decided to go ahead and run this Friday the show that is being paid for by the Saudi government and the uh, you know in in accord with the contractual relationship that. WWE has signed on with the Saudi government to do shows over what the next 10 years or so. Um yeah. and they uh after a lot of um back and forth um as to what was going to happen, they made the decision to to go ahead with the show despite this uh this this guy being uh uh Kasogi being, being killed in the uh uh, you know, in the embassy. And,
2: you know, besides, and, you know, there are restrictive policies towards women and, you know, involvement in nine and all this. Other. Here, here's, here's my take. Cause, cause I've read, I've sp- kind of spent this time like looking at what people in wrestling are saying. And for the most part, people in wrestling are, you know, they're, they're simple dumb beasts, right? So it's, well, why wouldn't you take $50 million and what promoter wouldn't? And uh, to the more nuanced arguments that are still excuse-making, like, well, you know, this is a way that they can make inroads, right? It's It's the WWE's argument, their implication that, you know, we've had a relationship for 20 years with these guys, which is definitely an exaggeration in a lot of ways. But we've had this relationship sort of implying that, opening them up to WWE is going to change the society at large. And like, we don't want them to be, this This is stuff that I saw that people say, we don't want them to be North Korea, right? Where they don't have contact with the outside world, the more contact they have with WWE and blah, 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 blah. And so here's, here's my argument in a nutshell, Larry. And I'll just, I'll just ask these questions. Um, If this was the NFL and they had a relationship with Saudi Arabia, do you think they would do a game in Saudi Arabia in light of everything right now? I sure hope not. I would think, I think absolutely not is the answer, right? (laughs) You know,
3: Um,
2: this was um, a Marvel movie filming in Saudi Arabia. Do you think they would pull the plug and film the thing somewhere else? Absolutely. They would. Absolutely. In fact, is there anything that you would consider to be sort of top flight sports or top flight entertainment that would in good conscience do the event there except for I think the only like major sports or entertainment institution that would continue to do a thing there because they have no shame are the Olympics. (laughs) <laughs> i think the olympics would still go about it well they're they're already bought and paid for i mean the only people who want to do the and i think this is very similar to the wwe in some ways the only people who really want the olympics now are usually countries that have something to prove to the outside world right it's it's Russia and it's you know, it's it's like this idea of North and South Korea combining. It's all these places that need legitimacy that are willing to sort of bankrupt their own countries and do whatever they have to do to put on a, a shiny, happy face, right? Sochi and things like this. Like, oh look, we've got the Olympics. And so in that well, way, the Olympics is is being used, right? And I think the WWE is playing that part as well. They're very willing to be used in order to sort of legitimize Saudi Arabia because the price has been met. And I don't think it's well, any more yeah. complicated than that.
0: You know, I mean, if, if, if it was a show that was happened to be booked in Saudi Arabia, it would be one thing. But the fact that it is specifically a deal with the Saudi Arabian government, that seems pretty clear they killed this guy. Um, that's a little different story and obviously you know that, that that's that's a not a little different story that's a lot different story that that they're going ahead with it. Um it, it, on a related note, they had their yeah. um quarterly um financial report came out last Thursday. Yes,
3: please tell and, us about
0: that. Well, I listened to the conference call. It's posted online. And uh, well for one thing, they basically refused to address the Saudi Arabia situation and just referenced their official statement saying they made a very difficult decision to proceed with the show and that, of course, from a financial standpoint, their uh, full year guidance was based on the running of this show. Uh, the estimates I, I'm seeing would be for this year it would probably be a $3, I mean a $3 million hit to um, operating income for the fourth quarter if they, if they didn't run the show. Um, so basically just boiling down to uh dollars and cents like so many things seem to do these days it doesn't seem to be require any further thought than whether or not it, it's related to money and how much money one's going to make out of something um, but that's a that's another conversation for another day uh the other things that that were interesting on the on the call were that uh, well they didn't really say it this way on the call but um they missed on revenue the the Wall Street was looking for about uh, 200 million, and they came in around 189 million in revenue. Um, their pro their operating income was was up, but some of that was related to the uh, tax cut. Um, mm. but they yeah, but they so but you know in terms of the you know they actually beat the number on uh uh earnings, so they came in okay on that. Um, house shows are not doing. Worth a damn. I mean, they're not making oh no beans on on house shows. They, the average attendance came in at 4,500 uh, per show for the most recent quarter, which is the lowest it's been in a, in a long time. Um, the network was up to 1.6 million subscribers, up from 1.67, up from 1. 1.5 a year ago. But what's interesting is the revenue is not commensurately up. So you got so you clearly you've got a lot of discounters discounted uh, yeah. memberships in there. To, to, so the revenue is not really moving up that much.
2: Isn't um, that strange, Larry? Like I, I find it fascinating that like, cause now the network has been out for a number of years. I, I think that sort of gets lost in the wash. It's been out for a number of years. They've had time in theory to of like, to pull their viewership out of that, you know, that initial like sort of fire sale mentality that sort of begging for subscribers' mentality that they had in the beginning when they set that, it's going to amount to a very low price point. Here, You know what's a strange thought is because now people with cutting of the cord, like the cable cord and th- stuff like that, people now, I think there's a very real thing where people sort of piece together their entertainment budget right mm-hmm. so it's like
0: yeah.
2: i'll put together hulu netflix and and you know and my gaming is really important to me so i'm going to subscribe to that and that'll still bring me in below cable what's going to happen to the wwe when disney launches their thing in 2019 because you know when you have all of the marvel stuff going over there and and you know there's a theory that These shows that they're canceling on Netflix, like Luke Cage and Iron Fist, it can be seen as those shows weren't doing that well, or it can Mm -hmm. be seen as it's Disney's attempt to sort of pull in content because content is the name of the game. It's the one thing that WWE has done over the years that's been very smart. Which is they've given themselves a ton of content now they we can argue about whether they're successful at creating their own programming that isn't directly pro wrestling based, but w w e films has it doesn't turn a profit, but it isn't no. a joke anymore like it it isn't a joke, like at one point it was laughably bad, you know it's you know triple h as a substitute teacher or whatever the fuck, right now. I I'll watch a movie and then it comes up WWE films and I go Oh my God I didn't even know and yeah yeah that's a, a more good thing but I don't know it's just it's it's very fascinating um, I, you know the Saudi Arabia I don't think that shocks anybody I mean Vince McMahon and Donald Trump are basically the same guy right in so many ways they're very similar and just as Donald Trump's arguments seem to center around they might have killed this guy but Damn it! They're buying so many weapons from us, right? Like, that was the, the well, crux of the <laughs> argument was, but there's all this money, and I think when it boils down to it, yeah, there's all this money, and and look, we gave the we gave the women a pay per view, right? right? We gave the women a show. It was sort of universally loved. Nobody can say anything bad against it, and that's supposed to counterbalance the fact that they're doing a show where women are flat out not allowed to work on the show, which should be a bigger deal than it is, but. Again, money talks, and wrestling fans have proven over the years that they'll basically put up with anything. <laughs> I think well, they'll put up with just about anything. The ones they have now, you know.
0: You know, there was some booing when Undertaker mentioned Crown Jewel in his yeah. uh, promo. You know that that wasn't—it certainly wasn't unnoticed by at least a percentage of the people that were there that night. Um, just going back to the content for a second, they did. They were asked yeah. about content for the um network and they you know there's there's discussion of course of adding a a, a women's show um and you know they they got the UK show and, and going more in that direction the other thing is the uh in terms of pricing they're looking at projecting maybe by 2019 they'll be doing the tiered pricing for the network mm. but there was no there was no detail on that in the call at all right so
2: that might be what they have to do. They might have to price themselves in such a way that certain people, uh, I, I mean, it's like going to a car wash, right? You've got this, you've got the people that are going to pull in and they're just like, just get the bugs off the car, right? They're going to get the $6 wash. But then you've got the people that you can talk into. And those are your bread and butter is the people that will buy the $34 because you can talk them into wax on the car and everything else, Right.
3: And
2: right. WWE right now, they they sort of have – they have a smaller – I mean, you know, not as many people are watching the thing, but I would imagine they're spending more money. Oh, yeah. While thinking yeah. – and, and, I mean, I'll give the WWE this. They've pulled off this con. And this goes especially on the boys at the independent level don't even realize. Like, the con is – people think that they're spending less because they're not buying a pay-per-view anymore. Right. But in reality, you know, they'll take 1.7 million subscribers, 10 bucks a pop. They'll take it because that 1.7 million people consistently giving them money represents much more than however many you can get to buy one single pay-per-view. Yeah.
0: Now, you know, take me as a prime example. You know, they're getting the they're getting the 999 a month out of me. I don't you know like cancel and resubscribe and do the, the that kind of stuff. And you know, maybe maybe I would have bought a paper view or two a year. So yeah, they're getting more out of me by doing it this way than they would have the other way. For sure. For sure.
2: Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Definitely uh, Lots of think over
0: last thing on, on the WWE financial of course is like so many companies that have taken a bath during october in their stock price uh you know they topped out at 97 dollars a share they're they're down to 68 dollars a share uh the last 10 of that came dropped down came after the earnings call came out and they you know they missed on revenues that that didn't help them any so, but nevertheless, it's yeah. <laughs> still way up over what it was, what, 20, 25 bucks a year ago? So oh, still yeah, absolutely. So nothing to no complain, and nothing to about cry it. about. Hey, we got our first guest here.
2: Yes, please introduce him, Larry, and I'll be back yeah. in two minutes. So please introduce him and then ask him the first questions.
0: All right. Let's see if we can get our switch gear. get this gentleman on the air. Yeah. We're joined now by IWA Mid South, uh and AWE and other places, the indestructible Calvin Tankman. Welcome to the shipping point, sir.
3: Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure.
0: We're so glad to have you. Um you, you know, you you know, we're we're based out of Georgia. My co host is uh Stephen Platt and will be back with us in a second. And what um of course caught my eye about you was your matches with uh will huckabee at the awe shows um you know those were um pretty impressively brutal confrontations from what i could tell um i was just curious you know for for folks who don't know you like exactly would you mind saying exactly like how big
3: are you uh, I am approximately 6'2 and about 385 pounds.
0: So how does a guy, what possesses a guy of your size to be doing like flip dives over the ropes and lucha rolls and, and stuff like that at your size? It's, it's, it's really impressive.
3: <laughs> uh, to be honest, it was, uh, watching too much WCW as a kid, um, like the the first pro wrestling that I saw at all, I was about three or four years old. And uh, I had an older cousin that used to come over, and he would like babysit me when my parents were gone or whatnot. And uh, he was a huge wrestling fan. And so I ended up just sitting, watching it with him, and then like watching Rey Mysterio and all the cruiserweights do all those flips and all the crazy stuff just like blew my mind. And then I later on started watching like WWE and seeing guys like Jeff Hardy and Edge Christian doing. Putting their bodies on the line, doing crazy stuff, and uh, another one is probably my, one of my biggest influences is uh, once I got older, um, um, a guy named Ruckus from CZW. Uh huh. Oh uh, my god, I love Ruckus. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I had no, I had no idea what indie wrestling was, and then I played the uh, backyard wrestling games way before I was supposed to at my friend's house. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, when you, like, unlock Tremendous. the characters, you unlock, like, a highlight video of them or whatever. You know what I mean? And so, like, mm-hmm. I went through and I was playing, the, I had unlocked Ruckus, so I was playing as him and I saw, like, his highlight video and I was like, I saw the CCW letters and I was like, wait, this is a real thing. These are real people. So I went on, like, I, the first thing I could later on is I went to a, um, a pawn shop near where I lived and they had CCW and XPW DVDs. Oh and uh, we convinced my friend's mom to let us watch him because she didn't know. She just thought it was wrestling. She didn't know what kind of wrestling. So, uh, yeah, I ended up watching a ton of, like, ruckus and blackout and ruckus in general. Just the things he did is our offense is so unique, I'd never seen anything like it. I just, like, would instantly, like, go in my room, and I've broken countless box springs jumping off of dressers and doing <laughs> moonsaults and just practicing stuff when I was little. So then I got older and uh, I'd played football. And when I got to, to training and being entering, I was like, I wonder if I could still do this stuff. And then I just, lots of bumps and bruises until I got there. Wow. I, here,
2: here's, I love that answer, by the way. Here's my question. Stephen Stephen Platinum, by the way. So um, something I love about you flat out is that you're big. I was, uh, I was telling the story today about how when I wrestled in the 90s, um, all Lolo's many decades ago, um, I'm six feet tall and I was about 250. And I was considered by most of the people that I worked with and that kind of thing, they would always tell me, oh God, if only you were bigger. Like that was the lament that I wasn't big enough because I was only six foot tall and 250 pounds. And then you know, I then I trained guys around a promotion in the Atlanta area, and there was many times I would go into the locker room and I would I would go, "What the fuck? Why am I the tallest guy here? It's disgraceful, right? Like I shouldn't <laughs> be dwarfing the locker room, but I did." Here's here's my blunt and brutal question: Do you mm-hmm. feel that your size? And this is a legit answer. Do you feel that your size is a disadvantage in the modern era of wrestling or is it an advantage or does it all get kind of lost in the wash based on how people see things now
3: so the way i see things is, is is it's an advantage so the simple fact that uh there's few guys my size and even less that do the things that i can do at my size um there's only one i can think of off the top of my head and that's keith lee so if, if you put it that way that instantly makes me something that you're not going to see anywhere else. Something that's, once people see it, should be in, you know what I mean, would be in demand just because you can't go to every indie show and see that. You can go to any indie indie show and see a guy that's 135 pounds or 175 pounds do, you know what I mean, a drop-down leapfrog back roll and springboard arm drag. But if a guy that's 200 pounds more than him does it just as well, cleaner, quicker than he does, then all of a sudden that's something you've never seen before.
2: I definitely see merit in that argument. And I think it hinges on, and this is not to disrespect guys in bygone era. Before, I mean, we would pretend that Dusty Rhodes threw a good dropkick, right? Just because we were impressed that Dusty Rhodes could do a dropkick. And it was impressive, but people would always just go like announcers would sit there going, unbelievable. But it, it really doesn't hold up. Like when you <laughs> when you watch it, it's like, oh, really unbelievable. And there were big guys that could pull off a spot or two, but often they weren't they weren't all they were cracked up to be, right? But I, I mean, just looking at videos of your stuff, like holy shit. <laughs>
3: <laughs> it's, it's sort
2: of, a, there's very few guys that get that sort of reaction from me on an indie level. You're one, I think Logan Creed's another. Not that he does a bunch of necessarily super spectacular stuff like you do, but just it's the fluidity of the movement in spite of the size, maybe even because of it. It's just very, very impressive. I'm wondering, though, if a modern wrestling fan really appreciates what they're seeing or have they been sort of like video gamed out where it's just like, yeah, he's this big guy. Like what's the, what's the, what's the reaction that you get from fans, especially like AWE fans, which tend to be sort of the smartiest of the smarty marks, right? What's their reaction that you can gauge to when you pull this stuff off?
3: Um, their reaction is normally pretty big. Um, Cause yeah, a lot of the bigger shows i've done uh like a, like an a i w in Cleveland for instance, I did a show for them um and a large percentage of their people are like what you would call smart fans, you know what i mean um and so like yeah absolutely. It, it it replicates a place like a like an a a w or or a place like that that's like they have bigger names. Their fan, you know what I mean? The lineage of a place like AIW has guys has yes. Gargano, Candice LeRae, like you know what I mean, Mia Yim, all those people that were um, over there killing it. So their fans are really smart because they've seen a lot of good wrestling. And they probably gave me some of the biggest reactions. I've had the, the bigger, smartier places um, normally give me a bigger reaction because they know how rare it is to see something like that. You know what I mean? Absolutely.
0: Well, and your um, your AWE matches were of a you know a different. At least the ones with Will Huckabee were of a different style. You weren't doing any flipping and flying. That was just brutal man on man, beating the hell out of each other. Um, and, See, which I'm sorry. Go ahead.
3: <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Um, it really just depends on who I'm going up against, and like you know what I mean. Like um, with someone like him. I'm not going to go do that flippy stuff until, you know what I mean? Because they call it high risk for a reason. So until everything else is used up, there's no reason for me to risk that. Um, Right, yeah, yeah. Especially with someone of his size. Now, if it's somebody smaller and they do that type of thing, sometimes, you know what I mean, I might hit a quick spot just to catch them off guard before I go, you know what I mean, if that makes more sense. Um, It's just really just depends on the way styles match up with, who you're working with
0: well yeah to con- contrast that with that the footage you posted online of um the bizarro lucha show with uh, mjf where you're where you're um <laughs> you're you're going more in the other direction <laughs> more in the flippy direction which was really fun to to watch um t- t- tell us a little bit about that experience i saw it described as a combination of uh, punk rock burlesque and lucha libre what was, what was it like doing that show
3: Okay, so Bizarre Lucha is ran by oh, a man named Trip Cassidy, who people in Atlanta know very well. Mm-hmm. Um, third member of the Carnies, great dude, um, and it's just something totally different. Like it's that we had we had a band called the Razor Ramones, which is a wrestling theme punk rock band. So they opened the show, and then. After that, they had Shotzi, like, welcome everyone in, and she did a show with, like, a saw and, like, a, something else and shooting sparks everywhere. I don't know. It was one of the damnedest things I've ever seen. Um, and then there was wrestling, and it was, um, it was ran under the Lucha style, obviously, Rudo's, Technico's. They did uh, the typical, like, Lucha style matches, but it, it almost replicated if you could have – PWG and Lucha Underground smashed into one. So, like, the small venue, high energy of, like, PWG with the, like, you know what I mean? Having a band and other things uh, involved in uh, Lucha Libre. So, it it was Mm -hmm. cool. And then there was two burlesque shows, too. And one of them was actually, uh, she did an El um, Santo-themed burlesque show. So, that was really cool. So uh, she was a obviously a Lucha Libre fan herself. So um, it was just a really cool experience, and like um, the fans, like there was a lot of fans that had never witnessed pro wrestling. You know what I mean? Because it was at a brewery, so they they would um, see the posters and they're like, "Oh, there's beer and a punk rock band. Let's show up and see what it's like." And they were instantly like hooked. Their energy, just because some of the stuff we'd done, they didn't expect or they expected, you know what I mean, lower quality of wrestling or not even lower quality of wrestling, but I mean, in Indiana, there's no commission. So almost anyone could run a show. So sometimes, especially in a place like Indianapolis, there's about one or two companies that that are good and the good companies that are here since a place like it's probably been 10 years since they've had a decent actual like indie show since IPW, which had guys like ricochet and sammy callahan and uh uh, moxley and all those guys uh in indianapolis since then since that's been gone there hasn't really been that like great indie presence um other than wcwo that's been there forever um so it was nice to finally have something that was like geared towards younger people and showed them a new style of pro wrestling that hadn't been here. And like, yeah, just because the fans were there and they'd seen that it, you like their energy and their excitement for it, because you know what I mean? It's something they didn't, they didn't have, you could tell that like they'd missed it. And so ever since then, it's been all people have been asking me about is when's the next show. So we'll just kind of wait on the next announcement, but it was, it was, it was, great for me because Indianapolis is my hometown. So getting a main event and a high quality match in my hometown was uh was uh, a pretty big deal for me.
2: I have, I have a question. And this is kind mm-hmm. of more of like a headier sort of general philosophy about the wrestling business kind of question. So are you of the mind, like when you think about what you want your goals to be, and that can be part of the answer is here's my goal. And here's, you know, are to me, the, for most of the boys, there's one of two ways to go about it. Right. There's the, like on one end of the scale is like the Leo rush scale. Right. Where it's like, I'm mm-hmm. just going to keep making noise and I'm going to, I'm undeniable. Like you, I don't think the boys realize just how fast that guy went from being security at some bullshit Maryland indie to getting a deal right like Mm -hmm. he did it in in so rapidly like a lot of people resent him for it I always go like that's the kind of guy you should emulate if you're that guy like he's small he's all this stuff but he just found a way to he was just undeniable to the guys that and and to be fair nowadays I don't think it's ever been better I think you have a better chance of sort of like just sort of hanging around and doing stuff long enough and eventually just getting plucked because you're outstanding and enough people know it and, you know, and then you, and then you get noticed. Like that's actually a plausible, whereas 10 years ago, that was just a bullshit pipe dream. This notion that like somebody would discover your genius. Now there's so many ways to have your footage out there. There's so, they need people. Um, so what is your where are you on that scale from Leo Rush to uh, if I just keep doing my thing and I keep having fun eventually I I'm going to be noticed and I'll 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 reach my goal whatever that goal is. Where are
3: you on that um, scale? I'm a highly competitive person and I want to do everything that there is to do in pro wrestling so I guess mm-hmm. I'm like I'm I'm right there I wanna say on the Leo Russ scale, whereas like I have that mindset because like I guess this comes from me playing sports and playing football up until playing even semi pro football and doing things of that nature. Is that yeah like, my mindset when it comes to anything is that like I'm the best at it or I wanna be the best at it. So really like I just feel like if I keep doing what I'm doing, keep improving getting better the natural tools are there eventually I'll get to where I want to be but until then I need to enjoy the ride because if I start letting things get too you know what I mean if I start getting uh, too pressed on oh I gotta make it oh I gotta make it then you know what I mean I put too much pressure on yeah. myself and um, I don't want to do anything that like isn't fun to me that doesn't interest me you know what I mean I don't want to set the yeah. fun and the love out of it so I want to enjoy it while while I can as much as possible
0: what? Uh, how do you define making it? What's your, What's your vision of what that'll be?
3: Um, to me, making it and then like having my dreams come true is just being able to uh, live off of wrestling and provide for me and my child the way I'd I'd like to. Um, mm. Whether that means WWE or New Japan or anywhere else, uh, that's that's to be determined, and it depends on, you know what I mean, what's right for me at that time and and things of that nature, but uh, really it's just wanting to do everything, like if I had the career of Leo Rush and went straight to the WWE, I'd be happy, and if I had the career of AJ Styles and did everything under the sun and then finally went to the WWE, yeah. that I would be happy, I'd be just as happy with that, so. Well, though I mean, look, Larry, and clearly, you have going
0: for you is you yeah. you you don't look like the average guy. You don't look like the guy you just see walking down the street. You got something special about you, and you know you've got a way, a way to stand out, which you got to have, you know. And you and you you've got that uh, going for you, no doubt. Um, just getting back to uh, Georgia for a second. Uh, I guess your next date here is what no, is November 11th for Atlanta Wrestling Entertainment? Is that right?
3: Yes, I'm scheduled to uh go one on one with uh William Huckabee at the beginning of the show. And then uh the winner of that will be in the uh, Lucky Seville, Lucky Seven, excuse me, uh scramble match for the uh number one contendership.
0: Oh boy, nice. so another
3: war with you guys. Ooh. Yeah. I look for I look forward to that. Matches in the night, so. Oh yeah, definitely, me too.
2: Well, fantastic. Do, do you have any last words? Anything you want to say or
3: talk about? Um, not necessarily. You guys covered pretty much everything, all the good stuff. I'm I'm pretty yeah, I'm pretty as, boring. As I'm either at the gym or with my kid or on the road. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I um, the next place anyone could see me, I have a date this weekend, in um. Columbus, Indiana, for Emerge Pro Wrestling. Uh, that's a oh, yeah. uh, really good budding company. Uh, I go one-on-one with uh, a guy named uh, Ace Perry. Um, oh, yeah. I believe he's been down to Atlanta, so you guys know Ace yep. Perry. Several um, times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, it'll be a one-on-one with me and him, and then mm, I believe it is next weekend, isn't it? Next weekend, yeah. I'll be back down into Atlanta.
0: Oh, uh Calvin, one other question I did want to ask you. You did did a lot of IWA Mid-South. Are you still doing them, and kind of where do you stand with them?
3: Mm. Um, Really, I just – we just – dates haven't matched up. Um, We did – I was working with them for a while, um, and then, like, I had to take some time off for, like, personal stuff, and then um, I did the TPI and I believe that was in, you know, it was in September. So uh, since the Ted Petty Invitational Tournament, I have not worked for IWA Mid South. But uh, I mean, there's no like, nothing bad there. It. It's just he's got he's doing things right now, and I guess he hasn't needed me. So I mean, yeah, um, yeah. I, yeah, I mean, I, IWA
2: Mid me. IWA Mid South. It's one of those promotions that. It is. It's, it's a great promotion to work, but they're obviously, I, I don't know how much you keep up with John Williams, AKA, you know, like everything going on with them, but they've had a bunch of houses that did not do well at all. And, and I got to say, it's mostly business decisions on his end. Like could just, just from looking on the outside, looking in. So hopefully they continue to run. I, I just think it's one of those places that's always been a fertile ground Um, where guys can try stuff out and uh, under like the big show feel uh, it's such a vital part of the indie scene and it would be a shame if they stopped doing shows. I think it's just so important to have those kind of places. Um, So yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, IWA Mid-South definitely could use you. uh, And I hope you get booked there in the future. I think it's to, to their benefit as much as anything.
3: Well, thank you uh i credit them to a lot of uh what I have cuz I mean before anyone would give me any bookings and...
0: Are you there Steve?
2: Yes, I'm here. Oh, he
0: he dropped. I don't know we we lost him.
2: Oh, okay. Well, he was. We were wrapping the interview up, and uh, he was a great interview. Any any surprises there, Larry, from th- things that he said?
0: No, I mean, well, I mean, uh, his uh, breadth of knowledge of various things, I wasn't quite quite sure about, but because I don't think he's been in the business that long. But uh, an imp- yeah. impressive guy. Uh, uh, uh,
2: yeah, a guy. You know, again, I think that's the way that pro wrestling in general is going. Um, is I think the age of the fuck up wrestler is done. And I think it's the people who kind of have their shit together a little more that, you know, and are less prone to be self-destructive. Like when's the last time you heard a really terrible wrestling story? I'm talking about somebody who's in like NXT or WWE level. Like it's just not as frequent as it used to be. And again, I've been sort of struck by the caliber of sort of the young wrestlers that we've talked to in this last year, where most of them, if not all of them, I would have said, man, they, they kind of really have their stuff together just as people, that they're not, I think this idea of existing as someone who's just a pro wrestling person, I, I think that's gone the way of the dodo. I think now you kind of have to have your stuff together as a person, where let's be honest that was almost never the case right (laughs) Like, sort of the biggest stars were usually and I'm talking like in the 60s 70s 50s right the biggest stars were often these sort of like head cases you know that it translated to the ring um in many ways and that was phenomenal but I mean, how many tragic wrestling stories from people from the seventies or particularly the eighties and nineties can we name? I mean, it's countless. Um, and now you have these guys who, you know, I got my family and I'm here to wrestle. And, you know, I, I I'm even thinking about the biggest stars in Georgia, you know, in the last two or three years, they're they're. I don't want to say solid citizens as an insult, but, you know, just guys who just, yeah, kind of like dudes, yeah. men's men who have their shit to get like Gunnar Miller. Like that was a that's a guy who had this solid upbringing, solid life, and he just was choosing to do pro wrestling. And, well, yeah, uh, I put, I'd put, for, Austin,
0: I'd put Austin Theory in that yeah. group, too. I put I put AC Mack in that group. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, speaking of res, wrestling tragedies, uh, we're joined now by Scott Hensley from uh, Scenic City Damn. Trios. How are you doing, Scott? What an <laughs> intro! My goodness, <laughs> wrestling <laughs> tragedies. <laughs>
2: I'm, 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 I'm just over on my stairmaster.
0: See, see, you're not a you're not a blowhard. You're not a tragedy. We were, you know, what are we gonna do here? This is.
2: He 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 said he was getting on his stairmaster. See, now he's got a he's got a fucking chaos <laughs> to us, in order to make it work. So, so, uh, Scott, before Hendry, we get into right more the...
0: serious stuff I, I couldn't think oh, of the name of the, Who's the guy who got arrested at the NWA main event show? Just talking about goofy wrestling characters Please, yes.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh man,
1: uh, that would be uh, Mr. Terry Teague
0: Terry Teague, thank you. That's the kind of guy you're talking, Terry. You're talking about, uh, Platinum. is a, a t- The Terry Teague's of this world, we don't have enough of these Terry Teague's anymore. that get like a guy getting arrested during the course of a show, getting taken out of the locker room by the cops during a show. We don't, we don't have these kind of things anymore.
2: I remember Terry Teague. I actually booked him. He did a PCW show, one of the first ones before when we were at the Academy Theater owner we at that Sandstone <laughs> Studio place. Yeah, <laughs> Terry T. Because I, cause I, I remember someone later, maybe it was Bill Barron's, going like, ah, you know, and then ter- telling me the uh, Terry T. got arrested story. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I was just amazed that he came up in the news recently with all the the Brian Christopher stuff. Uh, you know, I, yeah. I had worked with Brian. i had worked with Brian Christopher and Jerry Lawler with a weekend uh, with Georgia Premier Wrestling uh, up in Cleveland, Tennessee, and then down in Canton. And so, someone had sent me a story of of where Brian Christopher uh, had gotten in trouble. And I said, Oh, you know, that, that's terrible. And then they were like, No, read the story. Read who he was with. And I was like,
2: Terry Teague, what's going on? <laughs> Someone's got to drive, guys. Someone's got to drive. Brian Christopher sort of brings up something to me. Like, I don't know if you were listening earlier, Scott. We're talking about how the age of, like, you used to be able to be a pretty messed up guy, but as long as you were talented, that people would forgive you in wrestling. And Brian Christopher is a prime example of that, right? And. I don't and I you know, part of me thinks like like Enzo More is a great example. He's a guy that's not very well liked, undeniably a draw though, right? Undeniably talented on one level, but the other boys didn't really like him and he seemed to live this lifestyle. I think it was less about that girl accusing him of rape, which ended up not being true. I think it was less about that and just more of the sort of unseemly nature of his lifestyle that made them not hire him back i think the age of the enzo amores is done because th- he feels very throwback to me where he's like this really talented guy who draws and he doesn't care what the other boys think about him because fuck them he's a star now and blah 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 i think that time is done would you agree with that or would you say no i can think of a few examples of guys that are just kind of messed up human beings that i've dealt with or whatever that get by on being talented and good at wrestling
1: I think I think you're right. I mean, I think it's really supply and demand. I think it, it when you put mm. together an event, you look at how the the boys will like react to each other, if everybody can get along and there's just no reason to add a locker room cancer unless it's going to make a lot of money and there are very 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 few if any of those examples left uh because they have either just tragically died or uh, just aged out or gone to the side or whatever. But now um, everybody on the independence is either like somewhat of a draw or they are somebody that like really has it together and has the business sense because, I mean, even if you look at NXT, those guys are still having to fly around. And I think that they, I, I yeah. believe they fly together and they bust them. So, I mean, but, but it still takes some just, general travel knowledge of being able to uh, book your flights and, uh, you know, get a rental car and things like that, that, you know, if if you're just a complete mess up, then WWE has no use for you. It doesn't matter how good you are if you don't show up and if you can't do a good job when you show up. I think the flip
2: of that too is we're – like the guys now have – Benefit of the experience of the previous generations, because there was a time where the WWF then took advantage of the guys being basically good at nothing but wrestling. Right. So an example is they would snooker guys. They had, they'd have like a real estate agent take their new, the new guys that they signed up around and sell them houses that they couldn't afford because that was their way of sort of keeping them in a sort of financial slavery. You know, it's just like, don't defy Vince McMahon because then they'll fire you and you won't be able to afford this house that you've moved your whole family into. Right. I don't think that kind of stuff goes on anymore. Cause I think the guys are just too smart. <laughs> like, it's like that would never work. It's just like here, buy a house. You know, you're going to be an NXT buy a house in Orlando here. We'll take you over to these, you know, $300,000 houses that you could barely afford. I don't think any of that goes on. I think the guys are much more savvy about making their own living arrangements. I mean, I know a bunch of them, right? Like they, they get an apartment close by one that they can easily afford, you know, like they're, they're, much more self sufficient, I guess. Um much more well rounded in many ways is what I'm saying. So definitely yeah. Larry, please
1: question. Well
0: let's let's hear about uh scenic city trio, Scott.
1: Yes, sir. All right. Scenic City Trios, our second go-around with this. Uh November seventeenth, Hickson High School, uh, which is really special to me because my wife is actually a special needs teacher at this school. Uh this oh. school is like it's two miles down the road from our house, uh, which is lucky for my wife who gets that long drive every day. Uh but the uh the school is uh partnering with us again to bring trios uh, 2018, we've got eight teams of three, and then we've got a couple of featured singles matches, uh, or matches. Uh, we do have the match of uh, Gary Jay, who was a finalist in the Scenic City Invitational this year, versus AC Mack, who uh, is everywhere and uh, was the winner of our Scenic City Scramble this year. Um, get, or Larry, w- would you say that Gary Jay is a guy that has won you
0: over? I would say that Gary has won me over just by his work ethics and his uh risk taking and just in general uh yes yes he's he's won me over <laughs> Yeah, I mean, just just to sort of turn it
1: around and ask you the question there, uh, but you know, he's a guy that I, I feel like a lot of people sort of saw his picture and they're like, ah, you know, I don't know about this guy or another little skinny guy, and then you see him and you see his charisma and just the the way that he works in the ring and gets everybody involved and excited, and uh, you know, he he's been he's become a huge part of Scenic City lately, and uh, he. Uh, Myron Reed and Kurt Stallion actually won the tournament last year uh, so he returns as the winner of last year's tournament and a finalist uh, from our tournament this year uh, to take on AC Mac uh, who like I said is is everywhere and uh, you know w- we both were there uh, Friday night at action to watch AC Mac uh, uh, wrestle uh, James Bandy and uh, you know AC Mac is just on like uh, you know the week before or uh week and a half before, uh, I watched him work gangrel. And so, I mean, he's a guy that, uh, you know, more and more promoters are putting more confidence in. And, uh, I, I said today to, uh, the, the booking team of scenic city now is actually myself and, uh, Dylan Hells and, uh, Matt Griffin. And, uh, so I, I told them today, I, I said, you know, I think AC Mac is going to outgrow us eventually like, you know, he's just a guy that he has that confidence. Um, yeah. when he was at the tournament, uh, I had some people from work come and they didn't care anything about Joey Lynch or PCO or any of these people that did crazy stuff. All they wanted to talk about was AC Mac. And I was like, wow, we got something here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, as far as the tournament yeah. goes, uh, we have, uh, we have the four first round matches named, uh, we have, uh, Team Futures, uh, which they have actually renamed themselves Team Now. Uh, So that is David Ali, Ike Cross, and Alan Angels. Uh, That's three guys that are, once again, also like AC Mack. They're sort of everywhere now or getting everywhere. Um, It's three guys that are really improving. Um, Ali and Angels were on our uh, Scenic City Futures event, and uh, Ike Cross was slated to be on that event but was uh, picked into the tournament by Kyle Matthews. Uh, which that turned out pretty well for Ike Cross, even despite a losing effort there. Um, Their opponents are uh, Team Action, uh, which this team is just – this team is crazy. Like if you give somebody the opportunity to book like their dream team from their promotion like Matt Griffin did, um, you know, this is who he comes up with. He comes up with Slim J, who is just killing it out at PWX. He's been killing it in Georgia for 15 years or more. Um, so he's got Slim Jay, he's got Fred Yehi, who just came back from a tour of England, uh, somebody that Stephen Platten very familiar with, uh, and yes. then uh, then he's got Cam Carter on there, which Cam Carter uh, hasn't been in our area yet, but he's a guy that uh, he's blowing it up out in the Carolinas, and uh, he's recently debuted up at Chikara, and uh, he's, he's really exciting. Uh, a real high flyer, and uh, also just another charismatic guy. So uh, that's the first match. And moving quickly here, Team Iron Elbows, uh, that is three big, mean guys. Um, It's Brett Eisen, O'Shea Edwards, and then not big in body, but certainly big in personality. And uh, toughness is Kurt Stallion. Uh, So those three big, mean guys are going to take on Team WWA4, uh, which I'm pretty excited about these guys. It is James Bandy. Um, it's a guy named Lee Johnson uh, who I've sort of told people has the, um, I guess, the potential to become a guy that's like uh, a hybrid of Yayhai and Ar Fox. Um, Johnson has a um, he, he has a background in like actual collegiate style wrestling, uh, amateur wrestling. And then also he does some crazy good-looking high-flying stuff, too. So if he can put it together, and uh, he's getting out there more and more. So a guy with a lot of potential there. And then the always exciting Ashton Starr is with them. Uh, so that's the second match. Third match is Team Nova. Uh, that is uh, Logan Easton LaRue from the 1% or the gated community up at, team, at uh, Nova Pro in uh, Virginia. And he's teaming with uh, Wheeler Utah. Uh, Udo was uh, part of the uh, Dojo Pro show That uh, was filmed in Nashville um, And then uh, he's also been at Chikara And I believe CZW And some other places up that way But he's really getting out there lately And uh, then their third partner is Isaiah Frazier Who actually had a uh, an NWA uh, championship match Against uh, Nick Aldis um, in the last year And then he competed We had Ali versus Frazier at our Futures event um, their opponent is the Carnies. Um, Carneys of course, uh, Carry Offle Nick Iggy, and uh, Trip Cassidy. Um, they are getting out there more and more. Um, I don't know if you guys saw where the Carnies uh, were actually on the Hardy Halloween special on uh, WWE. Uh, but they, they can be seen hmm. in the crowd there. So um, they're getting out there. Um, we're we're really excited to have them back. You know, we pull from both of their fan bases because they, they have the fan base in Atlanta and then they have the fan base up in Nashville where they're from mm-hmm. or where uh, Carrie and uh, Nick are from. So, you know, we, we benefit by being right in the middle of that. Uh, the final match is uh, Team Tag, uh, which have become a dominant force throughout Georgia. Uh, Billy Buck, Kevin Blue, Chris Spectra. Um, they're they're all becoming sort of established singles wrestlers. Also with Chris yeah. Spectre winning gold out at Anarchy, and uh, their opponent is going to be the team of uh, Southern Underground Pro Team, uh, which is uh, Kevin Koo, who's another guy that's just really getting out there, um, a guy that can be absolutely vicious. Um, he had those, those neck chops to Jaden Newman and some other guys at the uh, the at the. Uh, Futures event, oh man Those are brutal, it's it's one of those (laughs) moments That you just look at and you think I'm really glad I'm not a wrestler (laughs) But uh, So Kevin Koo is teaming with AJ Gray, Uh, AJ Gray Had a victory over uh, Two Cold Scorpio In our tournament this year Um, He's another guy that uh, I think he just won Gold in Indiana and he's Always trying to get out there more and more And the final guy Marco Stunt um, Marco <laughs> is everywhere. Um, somebody jokingly asked him, uh, "So have you done anything in the last couple months, Marco?"
3: Because <laughs> he's been
1: really? on uh, he was on what all in and he was uh, battle of Los Angeles and uh, lost in New York and he won our, MLW. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, but uh, you know he he's been just absolutely great to us and uh, he he's one of one of my crowning achievements this year um, to, to just be a part of his success in the small way that I was, but really, uh, you know, Dylan Hells is to, to credit for, for Marco, for us. Um, Dylan is just super amazing about following the up and coming guys and seeing who's hot and who's has potential. And uh, you know, he, he said, we, we got to book Marco, you know, uh Marco I think was just going to ride with AJ Grey and he says well he'll be here anyway you know we should book him and then it got to where it was like well maybe maybe you know uh you know maybe that's the guy and so you know he he ended up winning the uh the futures tournament there and uh going on to the main show uh but you know that that's a guy that this year it's one of the most rewarding things because he he came up to me at um at the event there. And he said, uh, he said, Scott, I just want to thank you for changing my life. And it's like, wow. (laughs) Because as he won futures and as he got on the main show, like he was already getting booking requests. And, you know, we, we have people that book shows that come to our events. And so like he was blowing up. So, you know, he just, for him to say that meant a lot to me and was really rewarding Um, With what we do, you know, we're trying to raise money for schools. We're trying to have some fun putting on wrestling. But we do want to give guys a a situation where it elevates them. Yes. I'm sorry if I put you to sleep. I know I talked a long
2: time. (laughs) So, Scott, just just remind everybody uh, where, when, how to get tickets, yeah? Sure. Hickson High
1: School, November 17th. Um you can get tickets by emailing Dylan Waco at gmail dot com. That's D Y L A N W A C O at Gmail dot com. Uh you can message us on Twitter or Facebook. Uh we also have an Instagram, which I use very poorly, and uh we would love to see mm-hmm. you there. Come support the guys, support the school.
2: Great. Absolutely. Great. Well, fantastic best of luck and best of so uh God. Tell us about uh, Fatherhood coming out Tell us about all of oh, that Oh man <laughs> Baby,
3: ma-
1: baby mania is running wild At the Hensley home. I, uh, I
3: gave
1: I gave up my hobby room I've had to move a lot of autograph stuff around And uh, so uh, we, we are very 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 excited And blessed to uh, be welcoming Our first child We've been trying for about three years And we've uh, wow. gone through a lot of Gone through a lot of infertility stuff And uh, we've just been Incredibly blessed to uh, You know to get pregnant And due date's January 7th And uh, of course a wrestling themed name uh, The name is Roderick Orion Hensley
2: Dang Uh, Congratulations guys! Yes congratulations Congratulations That's fantastic And a lot going on in wrestling Uh, You know the We'll, we'll definitely. I'm sure we'll be talking to you right around awards time. I, you know, we we're saying that this year there's a very good chance we won't have. We'll just have a bunch of first-time winners or people that did not win last year. It's, good, it's like a whole new ball game out there. Who's who's somebody that you've seen that you think? deserves consideration that maybe isn't on the front of people's minds when they think Perfect. of all of those categories. Referee or Wrestler of the Year, or Performer of the Year, or Woman, or somebody that you see that you go like, you know what, we should really, this person should be part of the conversation that you don't think really is right now.
3: Uh, or I'm pretty sure I,
1: I, 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 I cross and I see Mac are just going to win every award, right? <laughs> <laughs>
2: I, uh... Yeah. I, You know, I I would think so, but you know, it's just like yeah. Yeah, with I mean, I that's know,
1: that's with... a tough question.
2: Uh I don't know. Like I was talking to Larry about
1: you know, I do a, a top one hundred list each year and I told him there's gonna be like thirty guys that drop out this year. But then we're yeah. going to add people we're gonna add people like uh Marcus yeah. Cross and Griff Garrison and Xander Ramon and James Bandy and some of these guys that have really come on for promotions in Georgia. Uh it'll be their first appearance on my list. But I mean it's because they're working hard every week and um I don't know as far as the awards go um, It it will be Really interesting though to see all the Different names
0: Well you know we have some that are just going to Be wide open because of you know In essence vacating like Obviously we've got to have a new manager of the year With Bailey retired Um, And you know Gunnar Miller would have been up there for wrestler of the year And he's gone that's going to be a, a, a really tough category and there's always A ton of guys for most improved and that's Again again the case this year Yeah uh,
1: I, I would throw Alan Angels out or O'Shea Edwards in that uh, most improved There you go
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. definitely
1: I mean Alan Angels added an upper body Like if you look at old pictures of him And now you look at him it's like hmm, He doesn't look like just like a little kid Anymore like like he he's a mean fighter now, and and O'Shea Edwards is another guy. It's like you know that guy was just you know he was a little older getting started, and uh, I don't think people realized how new he was. But now you see him in there, and it's like he's he's figuring this out. Like he uh yeah. you know he's doing stuff now.
0: Yeah, glad you mentioned those guys. I I couldn't agree more on on them. Yeah.
2: Yes. Yes. Well. Scott, thank you for being on. Um, of course, everybody should go check out the show, and you know, best of luck with fatherhood. Welcome to the club. Um, it's, uh, it's it's amazing. You know, uh, I I can't, I can't wait to see you be a father. Um, it's it, there's nothing that can really get you ready for it. Um, I, I don't have any kind of great advice beyond um, whatever negative things people tend to say about having kids it's like oh you know oh my god it's there's not a burden in the world about having a child that compares to the good stuff like i it just there's it's not even close (laughs) so (laughs) enjoy it it's going to be wonderful and thank you for being on and best of luck with the show hope it goes great
1: Thank you guys for having me. Thanks for letting me talk for like 30 minutes in my filibuster there. And uh, (laughs) thanks, uh, thanks, thanks Steven for actually like making fatherhood look fun. Like with your social media and the stuff you do with your daughters, like it it is encouraging. It really is. And thank you guys Mm -hmm. for doing what you do for, Uh, just covering wrestling in the Southeast and talking to guys from this area, you know, people will be like, Larry Goodman. And then, but other people will, will actually say, you know, they give us coverage. Like there's areas that could just dream
2: of getting the coverage that this area does. I could not agree more. I, I always say whenever Larry decides to stop doing this or, um, it's there is no replacement. There is no replacement. Larry's a guy who can send something to Dave Meltzer and Dave Meltzer will print it. Larry's somebody who, when he, your promotion, I said it years ago and nobody's ever been able to prove different. If Larry doesn't go to your show at some point, your show ain't shit. (laughs) Point blank period. You don't matter if, unless Larry comes to your show. It, he chronicles well, this whole thing, and it's and it's invaluable. It's just invaluable. You
0: know? I, I appreciate you saying that, but I have to correct: Dave Meltzer wouldn't publish it. Now, Mike Johnson will, but <laughs> Dave
3: Meltzer won't. <laughs> <laughs> no, I
2: remember a time or two where you sent, like, when when a bigger story happens, you'll send it to Meltzer, and Meltzer will make at least put it on the uh, website. He might, he might, know?
0: he might mention. But thanks, Yeah, th- thanks, thanks for yeah. saying. That. And, Thank, thank you, Scott, for uh, giving us some of your time tonight, and I look forward to seeing you on the seventeenth uh, at Hickson.
1: Oh, think, Larry's uh, going to be
2: there. That's great. Yeah. Woo! Awesome.
1: <laughs> we matter.
2: We. Matter. Awesome. So, so Larry. Yes. So, Larry. Of, of course, we're going to have to get going here soon, but. Um, I had a thought um, about the next show. I just wanted to run it past you here on the air. So you don't have a chance to, to wiggle out or say no. Okay. My thought, my thought is next time we have um, the great debate. Um, because soon, I, I mean, you know, obviously with, with Brian having trouble and of course we wish Brian all the best. Um, you know, I'm not sure when ballots are going to go out, but I, I imagine it'll be relatively soon within, like, by the end of November or something like that. Um, I, I think we really need to have a discussion, an in-depth discussion. And, you know, we can get whatever guests we want or people can actually call in or whatever. We need to start. We need to really talk about what do the categories need to be and who we think should be involved. I mean, who should be mentioned in all of those categories? Obviously we're going to take in nominations from all around, but
3: I think there needs to be a
2: discussion because it's just, it's just so much muddier this year. Maybe that's just my perception of it, but there it's, there's no clear cut, you know, it's like when the NFL went to like their, their, goal was parody and what it ended up making was like, man, there really was no superstar team for a while there. And honestly, that's how I feel it is now. What is the promotion of the year? My God, you can make an argument for probably five different promotions legitimately.
3: Well,
0: you know, and, I was thinking uh, about this, and I I actually do think some sure of them not. for me are fairly clear cut. But that's a discussion we need to have next time, and maybe let me think I about think who so. could who could who could join us in that and, and throw some of that around about about the nominations and kind of where things stand as we move into the last uh, couple months of the year, here. Absolutely. So let's see if we can get that together for two weeks from tonight. Upcoming this weekend, Southern Honor Show Number Two in Canton, Georgia premiere. Will be the next night also in Canton at the old at the uh, Buffington mm-hmm. School Gym. Uh, also, Peach State returns to Saturday nights in Carrollton with Paul Orndorff and Abdullah the Butcher in the house. Glad to see them back on a Saturday night where they belong in Carrollton. Yeah. And Southern Fried back in action in Monroe at the Boys and Girls Club Gym. Those are the main ones for this weekend.
2: Right on. Well, thank you to our guests, and thank you to you, Larry. And we'll see you in a couple weeks for another edition of The Tipping Point. Oh, where's the outro music, Steve?
0: We thank you for listening to this broadcast
1: a production brought to you by the GWH Radio Network. Stay tuned to GeorgiaWrestlingHistory.com for the latest information on upcoming events and more. As always, we thank you for your continued support.